Hey, welcome to our second episode of Sozo Talks, thoughts, stories, and conversations to encourage, inspire, and transform. Um, I'm really excited to be sitting here with my good friend and hero, Tommy Nauman. We've known each other for over 15 years now. I met Tommy um, when he was living in, actually where he still lives in Greece, and uh, we got to travel some together and spend some time with uh, some of the churches and leaders that he's been pouring into uh, for uh, a good part of his life. And I've just uh, loved uh, watching Tommy, spending time with him. We have a good time, laugh a lot, get to hear some uh, some dirty jokes every now and then, um, and have a, have a really good time. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for Tommy and for his friendship. And I really just want for you guys uh, to get to hear Tommy's story. I think he um, is, is a real father in the faith to many, and there's a lot to learn uh, from his story. So, uh, Tommy, let's just jump into your story, um, kind of where you grew up and what life was like as, as young Tommy. Okay. I uh, came to the Lord when I was 19 years old, and both uh, me and uh, my nowadays wife, we come from totally secular backgrounds. Okay. Uh, we met in high school and started a journey together because we kind of triggered one another to want to become Christians somehow. Yeah. And uh, when I look back, then uh, I, I, I got to know later on in life that my uh, grandfather on my mother's side, he was a, a believer. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that. But I remember as a little kid uh, sitting beside his bed and he was listening to morning devotions on Swedish radio, which wow. was you know, between 6.30 and 7 o'clock at that time. And we would shoot rubber bands mm-hmm. to hit the door handle on the other side of the room, and I would be the runner boy getting them. And he would put his hand on my head and, you know, say things that I didn't really hear. Yeah. And I, I am, you know, I mean, these days I'm quite confident, actually, that I am a result of his prayers. Wow. He died when I was six years old, so he never got to see it. But I'm, I am, and I think, you know, just to draw a lesson from that, that uh, if you go back in your own life, you will probably find that there are people that have been praying for you. Yeah. And that's where you are because yeah. of that. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. My grandparents yeah. pray for me mm. daily still. Yeah. And I know that I'm standing on their shoulders. And yeah. The power of their prayers. And I think, I think personally, I think that whatever we do, things are initiated in prayer. That's in relationship yeah. to God. They're, they are maintained in prayer, which has to do with our relationship to God. And they close in prayer. That's really good. Uh, because, you know, many times it is like this, that, you know, God initiates something. Mm-hmm. And because he is the initiator, we don't dare to close it down because God started it, you know. Yeah. And I think it was Billy Graham that said uh, that even if God died, things would go on. The church would go on because it's so well organized. Things have been initiated by God. It doesn't mean that they have to go on forever. Yeah. Even Jesus at the end of his life prayed hard. Yeah. You know, he prayed yeah, yeah, really yeah. hard. Yeah. For the, because things were coming to a closure. Yeah. So so um, that uh, about prayer. But then we... we uh, we, uh, you know, we had no idea. So we went to a Lutheran priest in Sweden, Gunilla and I, and said that we wanted to become Christians. 
he looked at me and said, well, you can be a Lutheran priest and Gunilla can be, you can be a deaconess. So we signed up for, for, <laughs> for uh, the university theological seminar. In okay. Sweden at that time, there was only the state-run theological seminars. You understand the Lutheran church is a state church. They were at the... So if, if you wanted to be a, a Christian, you had to go professional yes, kind of... Yes, yeah. that, that's what he told us, you yeah. know. So, uh, but as we came to this city... Uh, it's in the south of Sweden called Lund. And uh, then uh, we met with some, so to say, Jesus people. Mm-hmm. They they were living communally in a house and had a ministry, you know, relate, how do I say, inspired by David Wilkerson's thing. Okay. You know, the whatever that's called, I don't remember now. But we met them and uh, they invited us to join them to a meeting at the Salvation Army. Okay. And uh, it was, I think it was a Tuesday night. And on the way, walking there through the town, you know, one of the guys, he asked me if I believed in Jesus. And I said, yes. And uh, so uh, he said, do you believe that he's the son of God? And I looked at him and I said, I don't care whose son he is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> serious, because his his question was like Greek to me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just said, I I have read, you know, Matthew five, six, and seven, and this philosophy is really good. Yeah, that's I'll follow, you know. Yeah, I'm in. And uh, so we come into this room, and there was some drunks at the back, mm-hmm. and they were sit, they were, you, know, I mean, really like homeless people that you know they were drunk, you know, re- so they were sleeping. There was four, I think it was four ladies, plus Gunilla and I, mm-hmm. and seven, eight of these people from the, they called it the Jesus house. And they were going to sing and give their testimonies to the six, seven, eight, nine of us, you know. Yeah. And they started to sing, and then the atmosphere in the room just wow. changed. It was, I, you know, so, so what happened was that the drunks in the back, they woke up. <laughs> Because of the atmosphere change, yeah. not because of music or anything. Yeah, yeah. They something had been, changed in the atmosphere. Yeah, something just changed. And uh, we cried, Gunilla and I, and the ladies cried, and and then something just went on. And we started to speak in tongues and things wow. like that without having any... No prompts, any, nobody no told pre, you, hey, this is what no it sounds like. Or, no, yeah. no nothing. Yeah, just your response to the presence yes, of God. Yes, it was, I, I don't know what happened, but yeah. I count that, that as, my, as my kind of encounter with God. Yeah. From then on, I was a, a different person, yeah. totally. Some, you know. So when we come out, I went over to, to this guy, he was an American Jew named Lou, and... Uh, who had asked me before. So I told him, Lou, now I know that Jesus is the Son of God. Wow. So cool. that that knowledge, you know, there was something, you know, of the Holy Spirit yeah. just, you know, dramatically alternating things inside of me. That's incredible. So uh, we then started to work with those people helping at this house. And, and then the Lord spoke to me that uh, a lot of your work will be outside of Sweden. Okay. And, uh, you know, if he would have said missionary, I would, I told him, can you please speak Swedish? You know? <laughs> because I didn't know, I have no, I, I had yeah, there's no, no, I had no idea about anything. Christianese or whatever. Nothing, yeah. nothing. Uh, and then there came a group called Christ is the Answer, an American 
Jesus people and they were going to tour Sweden and uh, and they wanted us to join them mm-hmm. and we would have toured all over Europe. So I wanted, Gunilla didn't. And uh, her word eventually proved it was the right thing. Yeah. Uh, later on, that ministry shut down, and uh, but we had met people. So we became like part of a group of people that started, planted a, what we called a community. Okay. No, we didn't call it church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we called it community. And we lived community, like an extended household. And we had a vision, a very clear. Our vision was, uh, you know, to see and to live out the kingdom of God here on earth. Wow. Cool. That was our vision. So we, we, we didn't just live together for financial reasons or could we? No, we had a vision. We wanted to see yeah. the kingdom of God, and uh, then uh, so so eventually we ended up in a project area in Malmo. You know, very bad area. Okay. And uh, after some years, I mean, we became up to around three hundred people there. So. So uh, community grew. Community, yeah. So what you know, initially we were living in houses and huge apartments. We outgrew that, mm-hmm. and this area was you know, was a lot of empty apartments. So we moved into en- entrances in, in five, six story buildings. You know, oh, wow. so we had uh, girls' households, men's households, and uh, Gunilla and I got our first apartment. Alone of the seven years. Yeah, wow. So you, you <laughs> did marriage. like the first seven years of marriage of, and communal yes. living with, with... Yes. Yeah. Yes, and then this was like... so, But we had a, we could close the door. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. And I remember we were sitting there initially thinking, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> because we always had people around, you know. And now yeah. suddenly we had time for ourselves. You wow. Know? So, uh, but uh, what happened was that the area... We we really changed that area. Yeah, it's uh, actually in one way amazing. And we also, as a community, we became quite influential all over Scandinavia. And that had to do with with uh, you know some people that had ministries. Mm-hmm. They moved to us. Okay, and also there was a release of creativity within the the community. Yeah. So we started a print shop. We started a Christian magazine that went out all over Scandinavia. So that's how we grew in influence. And influence. And but it was we, really like the result of being together. Creativity yes, flew. Yes. Like came out. I of mean, that. lots of people together that were, you know, that might not have been able to do anything alone, mm-hmm. but together we that's we good. just saw a release of all kinds of creativity. Wow, that's really good. And we the the area changed, and uh, uh, to the point where the city of Malmö would say that uh, if you like to live in a nice neighborhood, move to this neighborhood, wow. and it's due to a Christian community wow. called the Green Pastures. That's phenomenal. Gröna Engar in Swedish. What a so for us as a church family, we have a, a value for cultural transformation, um, and you guys were living that. What were some? Of, what what was life like? living together in community, what was, could you describe that a little more? I would say, uh, if I say like this, th- that was very formative years of my life. And yeah. I think for everyone, and I met a lot of these people on a funeral not too long ago, and everyone would testify to that time as so special. Wow. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine said, because it, it lasted for 10 years, 
that this thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, what we accomplished in those 10 years, that is for a lifetime. Wow. So, so what it was, um, how I say, like I said, you know, it was the uniting of people mm-hmm. with a with a lot of gifts. Yeah. And this, the gift mix that, you know, there was a lot of creativity. Uh, what can I say? I mean, it, you know, it's everyday life. So you're going we to just work, took but initiatives you're, you're eating and, meals together. Yes, a lot of things you're, like that. Yeah. Praying together regularly, those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, but the interesting thing is, you know, I was uh, at, I had played soccer, mm-hmm. and uh, so I there was a Pentecostal church in town, and they had a kind of a soccer team. Okay, and I joined to play their soccer team. It was not prefer- It's kind of a, you know, I don't know what you call it, but we'd call it maybe a rec, a rec league recreation. Yeah, but yeah. we there was you know you played against other every company. And things like okay. that had their team, you know. Uh, offices had their team. So this was from that church, you know. So I joined. And they had such a nice fellowship. And I thought many times when I was together with those guys from the Pentecostal church, I mean, their fellowship is a lot nicer than ours because we have, you know, we had conflicts we had to deal with. Yeah. And the difference was vision. Mm. We had a purpose. Yeah. And they only just played football. They wow. never accomplished anything. Yeah, yeah. So then the, maybe the same issues just can stay stuffed because yeah. you're not living yeah. together. Because, because we had a real, going somewhere. we had a sense of purpose. We had a vision for what we were doing. We were not just doing this for our own pleasure. So what I hear you saying is if if you're going somewhere as a people, you should expect conflict. It's kind of healthy That's, and normal. I'm, yeah, I mean, you're married. Yeah. And I don't have to be a prophet to say <laughs> that you've had conflicts. Yep. And, you're gonna, and you're going to have conflicts. Yeah, absolutely. You have three kids in your life, which creates stress and conflict. Yep. I mean, it's natural. Yeah. And, uh, but you have to face them yeah. and we not, can, r- not run away. And we can be together for an hour and a half a week and not have conflict. But if we're actually doing yeah. something, then conflict yeah, I mean, is part of it. Like churches, usually, it's like, uh, how do I say? I mean, we are we are there sitting in a room and watching one another's necks. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you if you have bad breath and and don't use deodorant, you may irritate your your yeah. neighbor when you stretch your hands and sing your songs. You know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to end in a conflict. Yeah, but when you live together, that's part of it. Yep. So so, uh, but that's also shaping you. Mm-hmm. You, you understand it it shapes your character and stuff like that so so i am personally very very thankful for that and and uh, yeah yeah anyway so we started also uh, from that we you know we started to do work behind the iron curtain so 1973 you know the lord spoke to me about being outside of sweden 1975 i started to do trips behind the iron curtain okay. 1983 10 years after, yeah. as a part of of uh, this work behind the Iron Curtain, we moved to Vienna. Okay. And we lived there for three years. And then, uh, unfortunately, during those three years, the our community fell apart yeah. due to unresolved conflict in the leadership team. Wow. So, so we, as a result of that, we moved back. We, we kind of felt the Lord yeah. that we should move back. Question... <laughs> Something I have questioned later on, because we could have stayed in Vienna if we had wanted to, but but we we moved back, and then I was I had 
three years of depression wow. when we came back. I thought I was going to be chronically depressed, actually. Man. Because I'm in my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, 33, 34 years old or something like that. 33. And you have put, you have invested everything into this. And then all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden it just falls apart. Yeah. So I could see no future. Yeah. So I think that's what brought the, the, um, the, the, the depression actually. Yeah. What, we, uh, okay. What, what caused the depression to lift? How, how did you kind of get out I'll of that season? I'll tell you, I'll yeah. tell you. Uh, so, so, uh, when we when I came back to Sweden, I started, you know, I took up my profession again. I worked one and a half years as a teacher. Then I started to work at the office of our magazine that we still gave out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were doing a lot of ministry abroad at the time. And I remember becoming, you know, like a celebrity in Czechoslovakia okay. before, before. And, you know, thousands of people are looking up to you and you go home and you're depressed. Means yeah. So, so yeah, having a that, blast in Czechoslovakia, but home is exactly. Yeah. So I, I kind of thought, well, this being famous is nothing if <laughs> if you don't have your you know your real happiness yeah. somewhere else. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. So that was that's a good lesson I think to learn because you see a lot of people that are like that. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So uh, so uh, and so we eventually a friend of mine and I we took on we became pastors in it church in Sweden, 1989. Okay. 1990, we uh, went to a conference in Baltimore, and a certain man, a prophet, mm-hmm. I, his name was Bob Jones, I didn't know at the time, yeah. but he came up and, and prophesied to me. And, you know, he read my mail, yeah. and then he started to speak. And that broke the depression in wow. my life. That's so incredible. that was a word of God. Into me, yeah, that set me free, and and uh, I can say I have my down days, but yeah. I know, I know the difference between having a down day and being depressed. Being depressed, it's very different. Yeah, what uh, you don't have to share this, but what did he say to you? What was the? Well, one of the things he said that uh, was that I would be in the foundation of a new wave of evangelism wow. in my country. Wow! So. A friend of mine that was with me, because at that time we lived in Sweden and my country would be Sweden. Yeah. So and he knew, you know, my likes for being outside and all of that. Yeah. So he said, What do you how do you deal with a word like this? I mean, the man obviously said, You will be in the foundation of a new wave of Vivan in your country, in your country Sweden. I said, I don't know. You know, it, it's uh, you know, I I don't think that will change my the calling I've had on my life yeah. since 1973. Right, and you know there was three years in Vienna. I mean the traveling was one thing. Yeah, but the three years in Vienna, you know, was kind of a little bit of a foretaste of things. Uh, during the time in Vienna, we did things in in uh, former Yugoslavia. Okay, that later on in 90, uh, 1990, a friend that we had met during these times called wrote me and another guy a letter of wanting help to plant a church in Skopje so we we you know how do you say explored that a little yeah. bit or 
1991. And 1991, we went down with the team for the first time. Into the, Skopje, Macedonia. To Skopje, Macedonia, yeah. yeah. And, you know, at that time it was war in Yugoslavia. So we, we were like aliens. Wow. Because we had driven through Yugoslavia. Through the middle of war, essentially. Yeah, but I mean, there was no war where we were driving. Yeah. You know, war is not everywhere. Not everywhere It looks time. like, uh, from afar, it looks like a whole country is on fire. Yeah. But that was not the case. Yeah. So we did that 91, 92, 93. 92, after our outreach, the Lord spoke to me that we should plant yet another church there. And so we conferred with the church that we were working with and it helped. And we said, okay do that but let's try to make sure we have no transfers yeah and uh, we had a clean start no transfers whatsoever and uh, we had teams from a bible school we ran in this church in sweden where i was now a pastor together with a friend and uh, so i used to go back and down up and down you know visiting them and on one of those trips the lord you know impressed on me i would say Mm -hmm. that we should move there and uh, come home and tell my wife and she said i know well so so 1995 we moved down and after a few months uh down there the lord you know whispered in the back of your head like this is it and now you're in your country well, wow. so even that word from Bob Jones was, was actually, that's your country, even though you weren't born there, exactly. weren't living there at the time, that's your country. Mm. And I think, you know, and in the meantime, before we had been in London at the conference, and it was a guy named John Paul Jackson mm-hmm. that prophesied over us. And, uh, and we were in, you know, way back in this church, Holy Trinity Brompton, at, up at this, you know, balcony. And my Gunilla says, let's get out of here. I said, why? He's going to speak to us. <laughs> I said, how can he? he doesn't even see us. Yeah. We're that far away. No, you wait and see. He will speak to us. Didn't take more than a minute. And he started, <laughs> there's a couple up there. <laughs> and he started to, to say that uh, our pastoral influence would grow. Wow. Uh, and then uh, you will baptize people in a river with very cold water and there's big boulders in the water. Wow. And your wife will lead someone to the Lord who lives diagonally across the street. Pretty very speci- specific. Yeah. Very specific, <laughs> yeah. So what happened was that during those years in Sweden until 1990, the pastoral growth grew very, well. influence grew very yeah. much. And... Uh, and then, but we never baptized anyone, and yeah. Gunilla did not lead anyone to the Lord. So, so uh, uh, when we come down to Skopje, which is a much warmer climate yeah. than Sweden, yeah. but there are mountains there. And then we started, you know, it, our pastoral influence just grew exponentially at that time. Yeah. So it just continued, you understand? It had grown for five years, but now it started just to explode around us. Yeah. And we baptized people in a mountain river with ice cold water. Oh, wow. I mean, much colder <laughs> than we would have had in Sweden wow. where we lived. <laughs> wow. And there were big boulders. <laughs> wow. So those two, you know, things just came to pass, you know. Yeah. Gunilla still has not led anyone to the Lord that lives diagonally across the street. So that's the one we are still waiting for. Yeah. 
But, you know, for me, it's like, you know, the lesson I have drawn from this. First, 73 to 95. Yeah. That's 22 years. Yep. So if either I'm a very slow learner <laughs> or, you know, you don't throw out the baby with the water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just because it doesn't happen right just away. Just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean that it will never happen. Yeah. And is that, it, okay. as, as you're working with young leaders, do you see people trying to make it happen? Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of selfish ambitions and stuff like that, and you want to facilitate for God. Yeah. Do, do you understand? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, in, in your best, it's not evil. You're but trying to be obedient, you're but trying you're pushing to be, but beyond you're maybe what maybe pushing is. it, uh, you know, more than what you should do. Instead of just, I I think that, you know, it was Watchman Nee who who wrote the book Sit, Walk, Stand. Mm-hmm. It's from Ephesians, you know. So I think that our spiritual life always starts with rest. Yeah, and then you walk and you stand against the devil. Mm. So, but it comes from rest. Yeah, at peace, and you know we were. When we eventually moved out uh, to Skopje, Macedonia, I was over 40 years old. And that's not a bad time to leave, you know, because you have gone through this phase of finding yourself, you understand? Yeah, so you're yeah. pretty, you know pretty well, I'm good at this and not so good at that. And, yeah. and we, we saw some dramatic things happening there. So we were there for eight years. And also I've been asked by people, how do you prepare for being a missionary. Yeah. So I've never prepared the the traditional way, you know, going to, you know, sc- schools and schools that whatever. direct no. But what what I would, you know, my advice to to people nowadays is, you know, serve where you are. Give yourself, you know, to the Lord and to the things that you're involved in mm-hmm. and do that as you're going to be there for the rest of your life. That's good. That's really good. Not you know, don't go around, you know, being unsatisfied that you're not sent out or whatever. No, yeah. you know, just serve. That that's that's my because that's my advice. I I have done. Yeah, I have done so. Yeah, and uh, then eventually we moved to Greece. So we have had a word, you know, that the motherlands of the gospel shall give birth again, which has given us this region around the eastern part of the Mediterranean okay. to work in and. So we have done a lot of work in that region, and now since some years back, we are very, very involved with the refugees coming from the Middle East. Okay. And, and that, that's really a part of that word coming true in my life. Yeah. So we have seen hundreds and hundreds of Muslims come to the Lord. We say we in the last couple of years, we've baptized hundreds and hundreds of wow. people. Wow. And... Uh, and we're not just making converts, but we are, you know, discipling people. We continue to work with them mm-hmm. on every, not a, yeah, with some people on everyday basis, yeah. uh, and with some on weekly basis. And uh, so we are. Then, then I one thing I also want to say, which is I think because we never ask people of these Muslims to give their lives to Jesus. Well. Wow. We're clinically clean from that. Yeah, people have come to me and say, "I want to change religion." My answer is always no. Yeah, you don't want to change religion. 
what you want is to have a relationship with God. That's so good. So, so we are, you know, and we are not in the business of conversions or no. Yeah. So that's, uh, and we see a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Your question. My question. <laughs> now you have my life in a nutshell. <laughs> in a so nutshell. To say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some, so, some, but that's that. I think there's some. Oh, you know, that's great. Yeah. Nuggets here that you know. One is you know how you interpret prophecy. Yeah. You know, can it's not as straight because they are layered. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think yes, yeah, serving all in the yeah. the conflict thing. I think we live in a a time when everything has to be politically correct, and so yeah. we avoid conflict at all costs and and try to call that love. And I, I think mm. just the recognition that when we're together, if we're actually doing something, conflict is inevitable, but it doesn't have to be divisive. No. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, it's. I usually say, you know, it's, or often say, not usually, but often say, like, we're complicated souls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of us. Yes. <laughs> and conflict, you know, conflict comes, we speak the same language, <laughs> but we don't understand one another, yeah. things like that. There are so many things like that, you know. But we are, you know, you have to set your mind to solve conflicts rather than than to run away from them. And yeah. it's easy to run away because it can be scary yeah. at times. So yeah. you, uh, you know, I I say you know the 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 thing is like you know when the people of Israel they were told to take the promised land, which I think is the kingdom of God here on earth, right? As yeah. a picture, yeah. But there were giants in there. And that's what I think we face as we are, if we are, you know, wanting to see the kingdom of God here on earth, we will have to deal with giants. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't it's, think... It's not just a cakewalk. It's no, not just I don't easy. think that we will face giants in life after death. Yeah. You understand? But they're here. And they rise inside yourself or in your, the one you have a conflict with. Yeah. Anger. <sighs> Yeah. Becomes like a huge giant inside of you. Yeah. As an example. Yeah. No, that's really good. So uh you're in Thessaloniki, Greece now. Yes. And you're like the front door for refugees into Europe. Yes. What um what do you see like as the refugees are they're they're coming in? Mm-hmm. Obviously, um incredibly traumatic experiences that mm-hmm. they've had. What uh yeah, just describe what you see the refugees going through and, and what they're looking for. I mean, they're all looking for a future. Okay. So that's, you know, whether we re- we're working with refugees and migrants. Okay. So refugees, we say people that come from war situations. Mm-hmm. They flee for their lives. And then we, are, we have migrants. Usually, I mean, I would call Iranians migrants. Okay. They're looking for... You There's know, quite a few Iranians. Yes, that we have coming through. predominantly Iranians and Syrians that we are working okay. with. Syrian Kurds, and they the Iranians they run away from or they leave because of an oppressive regime. You know? Right. So some of them may be refugees. Others they they see that this is not going anywhere. They need to find a better life somewhere. Yeah. And but every one of them are looking for a place where they can settle down and have a future. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you come from a war-torn country like Syria and your kids, you have seven years 
of war now. Yeah. And uh, you have children age of 10, they're now 17. Wow. Do, do, do you understand? And yeah. What is the future? They don't, there's... They probably haven't been in school even, no, right? Exactly. I mean, how does education work? Exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, it varies in the different areas of the country. Yeah. But I mean, if you're in a war situation, there's nothing, you know. Yeah. So, of course, they're looking for a better life. So, usually Greece for them is just, it's the entry door to okay. Europe. They come illegally with smugglers, but they want something somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, the European countries has done like America, shut the borders. Yeah. It's the same, you know. Uh, so people get stuck in Greece. So if you come now, January of 2020, you may have your first interview for, you know, receiving asylum 24, like four years down the road. So, wow. so you're stuck there for four years. So you're in a camp basically for four yeah. years. Or you will, you're in a camp and eventually, you know, they will try to relocate you to some apartment or something like that. Okay. But you cannot work. You know, you you receive some money monthly. But not but much. No, not so much. It's 150 euros per person. Oh, wow. And if they have children, 80 euros per child. But then you have free accommodation and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's still food it's still, and some it's still sort of not life. much. It's yeah. not much, you know. So of course it's not easy for them and uh, there's all kinds of things you know we are dealing with, yeah. you know, need of clothes, dental care, medicine, all kinds of things. So so I mean our focal point is is we started to work with refugees as say like a humanitarian thing. Then yeah. it has shifted into being very focused on on leading people to the lord and yeah. god has opened doors for us to do that he's given us just a few people that have opened well, you know gr- lots of people and that has knock-on effect so we just more and more people so wh- all what, the time what do you see um as, as far as the people that are saying hey i, I want to follow jesus i want to leave the old mm-hmm. behind what what are you seeing in them that's kind of the switch and the hunger where's that where's that coming from i it comes from you know the reality is like if you give your life to the lord mm-hmm. you according to what i think you're born again right so you have new life inside of you yeah and it's the new life that now is you know the direction for your life. You yeah. know, so so now you have peace, life, joy on the inside. Yeah, and, and it's, it's even an, if your circumstances are horrible. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean you you have you you have new life. It's that's what we present to people, and and we see the result of that. I yeah. mean, it's I, not just an idea. Their lives. No, are no, 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 no. It, it it changes. It's it's not just transformed. You know that goes a little bit, but. It's a, definitely, a process or an definitely unfolding. Definitely a or, change, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just a friend of mine, Hassan, he, he came to me and he said, Tommy, you know, I am different. I don't know what's going on with me. So I said, tell me. Well, yeah, I used to fight with the, the Arabs in the camp mm-hmm. all the time, every day. Now, these same guys come and they insult me like crazy. And I don't get angry anymore. And uh, the other day, this guy really picked a fight with me. So I told him, you can hit me here. And then if, you're, if that's not enough, you can hit me there. So I looked at him and said, Hassan, 
Where did you did did you read that? Yeah. No, he said. And then I showed him in the Bible, and he he, he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> but that was the new life Just in him. Yeah, flowing. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Uh, we ha- we had a conflict with some people that we needed to solve, and uh, you know, I I said to one of the guys that you need to do what it depends on you to to make peace. That was so. So this guy said to me, "Okay, I'll follow your instructions, but then when I come home, it's going to be my way." So I told him, "Well, you're working with us. We cannot have these kind of yeah. things, you know. I mean, yeah. you need to." So I said, "Let's read Romans 12 mm-hmm. because that's where." And you know, after this passage, because that gives you a limitation, you do what you're supposed to do, and if the other part doesn't want. You have at least done what you... Yeah, you can't control their response, no, so as much no. as it depends on you, exactly. peace. But then it goes on, and then you leave it to God. Yeah. And he was planning for a blood feud. Wow. You understand? This is going to go on for years, because his honor had been stolen, and he needed to restore his honor, and that was the way you did it in Syria. Yeah. You fight. For generations, maybe. For generations, yeah. yeah. But And then he read it, and it just hit him. Like crazy. So there is a thing. We I was not even thinking because it's not part of my culture. Yeah. So I wasn't thinking that this would be there, but it surfaced. Yeah. It was a little bit scary because I, you know, you had to talk a little bit tough there at times. Yeah. But then the Lord just hit him, you know. Wow. So I, there is life there. You understand? The new life is there. Yeah. And when the word of God connected with the new life inside of him, boom. Boom, yeah. But then it's this unfolding process of, of, course. of learning it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you guys are, are uh, as you're working kind of locally, what you're seeing, you're kind of the front door into Europe, and so people are now, mm. uh, the, with the economy in Greece, they're, they're maybe looking to get to places like yeah. Germany or France. Yeah, yeah. which um, they do some of them, not everyone. But. And, and so how does that change your work and, and what you guys are doing? What do you see God doing throughout I mean, Europe? If I say like this, we are uh, we are talking about this. We have a team now that we are working with. It's your brother and his yeah. wife and and uh, another Swedish couple. And then we have three Iranian couples, a Kurdish couple, a Syrian guy, and some other Kurdish people that all of we all of us that I mentioned now, we live very close to one another. Okay. So we we meet daily and and then we have some other people that are farther away that are coming on our team. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what was your question again? <laughs> yeah. So, how, how do you th- see things unfolding both yeah, okay, in your ministry okay, and then throughout sorry, Europe? Sorry. So we are working. The, I mean, our close team there, they have more or less made a decision to stay yeah. in Greece and work with us. Uh, and then uh, we have other people that we ha- have, you know, had more or longer time, mm-hmm. small, shorter or longer time. And some of them have left now. We don't know if they're going to be able to stay in their new country, but they have left, and they are continuing to do their missionary work. Well, so, uh, so that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, And uh, we are talking about how to deal with this because, you know, you know as a dog goes <laughs> sniffing around, yeah. We can kind of 
feel the smell of almost like a pan-European church planting movement yeah. wow. evolving. That's exciting. And we have no real, how would I say, solution for what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, There's no strategy. That, at the moment, yeah. no. We, we, we think, I think that by the end of this year, 2020, we might, you know, have found a strategy. And, uh, but it's, for us, it's all, it's manpower and finances yeah. because it, it's going to take traveling, gathering people, doing training with them and stuff like that. That's probably what we yeah. will do. You know, not go and visit every small group, but gather the, what kind we call facilitators or servants type. or yeah. leaders, you know, uh, together and, yeah. you know, have weekends with them and stuff like that. So it's, right now you're, you're working uh, a lot in the north of Greece, but kind of throughout the nation. And, and what you're talking about is, yeah. is really the whole continent. We, we will exp- expand. I mean, it's yeah. going on in Sweden, Holland, Germany, Belgium. Wow. I mean, France. We have people now everywhere. Yeah. And they, they are waiting for us, you know, to help them and do things, you know. So. Yeah. And they're, they're hungry. They're, they're meeting, maybe reuniting with family or neighbors or whatever that are... They are hungry for Jesus. They're leading people to the Lord. Wow. They're continuing to do that. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's good because it's not dependent on us. That's the key. They do it, you know. Yeah. So, but we are so good friends with them. We want to continue to work with them. Yes. It's maybe not that we, we can say like this, okay, we can just dump them in other people's laps. Yeah, they're they're family. Yeah, but it's more than just to dump people yeah. somewhere. Do you understand? It's yeah. It's kind of a bond of love between us. Yeah, you're you're connected, and yeah, so we are connected. They're yeah. not a, they're yeah. not a project. They're they're and kind of no, spiritual no, family. no. And it's also it's interesting, you know, because I think you know when I mean this is often the case. You know, you come to the Lord through some people, and there is a certain flavor there. Yeah. And they come into somewhere else, and it's not the same flavor. So, yeah. so they they don't feel, you know, the same. It's the like same I don't thing. know if I fit here. I yeah, don't know exactly, I, yeah. exactly. So I don't know, but yeah. you know, you know how it is. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we'll see what will happen. But That's we exciting. are we are at the moment we are in, you know, kind of seeking the Lord for how to do things yeah. and things like that. We need a, we we need some more people some more workers some more workers yeah Yeah. that you know so uh let's let's wrap up with a couple of questions yeah one is um let's let's say you're you're talking to somebody that uh like you maybe in their late teens early 20s feels a call to missions maybe Mm -hmm. two to three minutes of advice on hey what what does that look like to work cross-culturally um yeah, just advice, like from a father. Hey, this is. I think the main, the main thing is is really love. If you love people, hmm. then it carries so much because you are, you can go and learn all the cross cultural things. Yeah, but you know that's head knowledge. Yeah, when you face it, then it becomes another story. But if you love people, it will carry you through a lot of things. I mean, I met a guy now in your church here, and I don't know why I said to, I, you know, I said to it, said to him, I really like to come and see you, and I kind of feel drawn. Yeah, you know, there's some. It's almost like some hand taking me, and and he's a he's a Mexican guy. Yeah, 
and uh, somehow I just feel drawn. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. So I think yeah. when you have that drawing inside of you, but then of course you need to be fe- flexible and you know embrace people's differences and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's a challenge. Of yeah. course, it is a challenge. Yeah. Are there some mentalities? I mean, I, I know you have. Uh, lots of people that are kind of coming through your work. Yeah. Uh, do you see um, some kind of mindsets that are challenging for missions? From people that we are working with or working together with us? Uh, yeah, people that are tr- maybe trying to partner with you, yeah. they, they're, whether they're short-term or longer-term yeah. workers. That Yeah, we do. We, we do. So we are not, you know, I have, you know, over the years... I have said, like, I said to my friend Jonas before he moved out, Jonas, I'm not a control freak. Yeah. And the way we do things, with it's called DMM, you know. Yeah. If you're a control freak, don't get into this. Yeah. Because you will have a nervous breakdown. But when Jonas heard me, he said like this, okay, I he- I've heard so many people say that. And then they are control, control freaks. Control freaks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he said, you have lived up to your word. Wow. So I don't try to control things, yeah. actually. It's, I have very little uh, desire to control things. And yep. that's the way things have been. So therefore, at the moment, I mean, we had, just an example, we had this, uh, we have a good friend who is an Egyptian. And he's sent out by a church in Cairo. Mm-hmm. So he lives in Thessaloniki. And we're really good friends. His church has come there and wanted to do, you know, conferences. Okay. So so we have, you know, so then the people that you've led to, can they come, you know, just they want to have as many as possible. Okay, we said. But now we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Because we see that, just as an example, there were going to be a baptism and we had a number of people that were, that we had led to the Lord and want to be baptized. So we wanted our guys to be baptized. To be baptized also, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not me or or, or at that time Jonas. Your brother was not there at the time. So these people were yelled at and by the people from the, this church the in organizers. Cairo. Yeah, yeah, from this church in Cairo because they are so hierarchical. Mm-hmm. You understand? It needs to be the pastor well. that does it. So they were not worthy enough to do it. To live out the Great Commission. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. So, um, you know, so things like that. And then, you know, people that we are working with, they come and complain and say, what's, what's this, you know, this. So we, we, we are becoming a little bit careful yeah. of not just Protective. Being, not controlling, yeah, little, but protective. Protective, yeah. yeah. So not just to open doors for everyone. You yeah. Know? So, Which is a new thing for me, to be honest. And <laughs> I'm glad I have your brother and my friend Jonas to talk to. Yeah. Because it's we are you know yeah. battling with this because I kind of feel guilty if I'm not <laughs> to say no oh, we yeah, can't exactly. do this yeah. exactly yeah uh, final thing um, how can can people who are listening pray uh, for you and your team and then also uh, for kind of refugees and migrants um, in in their journey yeah what, what would prayer mm-hmm. look like I mean we. Pray that we pray that God gives us good workers. Mm-hmm. Help us to pray for we we are in need of a of a uh, of another 
transportation means we have a van, but we would need either a seven-seater or another van. Mm -hmm. So that's two prayer items. Uh, then we have started a little bakery. Okay. Uh, I mean, not it's some of the refugees that have done it. So pray for them that they will be succeed in that. Yeah. You know. Uh, pray for for uh, for hope. Mm -hmm. I think you know for these people. That's and, really good. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Nice being. Love being here. Yeah. Good to have you. You're you're nice friends. So. <laughs> <laughs>